WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. News time right now, 816. You're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning, today, the 20th of December. And our guest this morning from MTSU, Dr. Tim Grafe. And you are a professor of marketing and also the director of the MTSU Office of Consumer Research. So I guess starting off the program, tell us what that office is all about. Consumer research, what do you do? Well, we study consumers and their perceptions of the economy. Back in 2000, I approached our dean at the time and said, hey, we need to study what people in Middle Tennessee and Tennessee overall are thinking about the economy uh, because we hear these national measures of consumer confidence. But, you know, just like politics, uh, they say politics is local, uh, economies are local also. And just because nationwide people may be feeling a certain way about the economy, that doesn't necessarily mean that people in Tennessee are feeling the same way. Uh, because we have a very good economy here, especially in Middle Tennessee. It's a very strong, growing, and diverse economy. So the purpose of the Office of Consumer Research was to come up with some surveys and measure people's confidence and their outlook on the economy. We started doing them as phone surveys back in 2000. And the students in my marketing research classes used to be the ones who'd have to stay at night twice a semester and do the phone calling in our phone lab we had in the College of Business. But back in 2015, we switched to doing online surveys. So now we do online surveys of, uh, we, we get about 600 people each time we do the survey, and we do them, about, uh, we do them four times a year. Well, you know, th- this is an interesting time of the year to look at some of these surveys with Christmas coming up, the new year coming up. I mean, you have folks out there who I- I've heard through the grapevine, some are spending more this Christmas than last year and the year before. And I'm sure one of those reasons is because people haven't been able to get out there and shop last year like they could have because of the pandemic. This year, they feel a little more free. So what are we seeing this year? Well, this when we did our surveys at the end of November and uh, through December 10th of this year, we found there's actually bad news and good news. The bad news is that their outlook on the economy is still very negative. When we did our surveys just three months ago in September, we found the most negative outlook we have ever seen. So it was at the lowest ever in September. So that's the bad news. The good news is we see a slight uptick. We see a little bit of increase in optimism, especially for the future. Uh, they still think the economy is, is very negative. They still think the current economy is negative. But we saw a little, a little bit of uh, hopefulness, uh, let's say, uh, regarding the future. Uh, and typically we have found that throughout the years we've done this, that we see a little blip. Uh, uh, people feel a little bit better in December. Christmas coming around, they start spending more, and they, and you know, part of it maybe they just want to feel better, so they respond more favorably on surveys. So you know, the bad news is it's still negative. The good news is they're feeling a little bit more optimistic. And yes, like you said, we did find that people say they're going to be spending more than they spent on Christmas and holiday gifts last year. So we saw a slight uptick in the the amount of money they're going to be spending this year compared to last year. 
We also found that when you ask them how comfortable are they going out and engaging in your typical consumer-related activities, shopping, dining, going to events, we saw a, an increase in that also. So people are more comfortable going out. When we ask them how important it is to wear masks, the percentage of people who say it's very important declined. So they're, they're just feeling more comfortable and they're more willing to go out and shop which is also reflected in the question we asked about where are you gonna do most of your shopping? Is it gonna be online or in stores? And as you can probably imagine, still online dominates. Uh, the majority of people still say they're gonna spend more money, do more shopping online uh, than in physical stores. But this year we did see a, uh, a decrease in that gap. So more people are gonna be spending uh, their money and shopping in physical stores than online this year. You know, it seems like whenever I've been out shopping for Christmas gifts this month, I have seen a lot of people out. In fact, the stores look to be pretty much as crowded as, you know, Christmas past, uh, pre-pandemic, uh, rather. You know? Yeah, so yeah it, the parking lots are full. Yeah, the, there, there are many people out there in the stores shopping. Um, the, now, when you think about the what we've seen as results of the post-Thanksgiving shopping, uh, Black Friday shopping and all that, it it obviously is better than it was last year. Uh, that's not really a very fair comparison because last year everything was still kind of locked down and people yeah. were afraid they couldn't go out and go dining and shopping. So that's not that's not a fair comparison. So yeah, it, it is better than it was last year. But when you compare it to the year before that, uh, it, it's down a little bit uh, from last the two years ago. But but yeah, people. I still I think people are. They just want things to get better, so and they're feeling more comfortable going out and shopping, and and that's the important thing about measuring consumer confidence, consumer outlook, because you know a lot of people may not realize this, but two thirds of the U.S. economy is consumer spending, so two thirds of the you know the uh, 66, 68 percent of our economy is just people going out and dining, people buying new cars, people buying new furniture, uh, buying services, paying someone to build a deck on their house. So it, it's consumers that really drive the economy. And we, we want to measure their perceptions of the future of the economy because if they're feeling good about the future, then they're more likely to go out and spend money. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because if consumers feel good about the future of the economy, they spend money. So you got two thirds of the economy out there spending money, which then creates the economy to grow. And if they feel bad about the economy, then they hold back on their spending and that holding back, that decreased spending actually causes the economy to slow down. Again, with us this morning, MTSU professor, Dr. Tim Grafe. Now, I, I found it interesting that you said the September surveys showed that it was one of the most, I guess, negative mm -hmm. environments as far as the way people thought about spending money, shopping, all that stuff. Uh, than in years past. So was September the absolute most negative survey you've seen so far? It was for us, yes, that wow. we have seen. Yeah. E even back in uh, mm -hmm. 2020, it was worse than that, huh? Yes. yes. Interesting. Yeah. Because and things do seem to be getting better, so I'm surprised. Well, now, when you ask people how they're feeling and what kind of emotions uh, they're feeling right now, uh, the, the number one emotion that most often, most people said was worried. So 66% of people said, consumers said they're worried, followed by frustrated and afraid. Uh, so they, they, they do have concerns about the economy. And then when we ask them, well, what, what specifically are you worried about? It's inflation. 
75%, three-fourths said that they're worried about higher inflation. Uh, and the next most uh, frequently mentioned worry was higher taxes. 66% said higher taxes. So you combine higher inflation with higher taxes, both of those are bad news to consumers because they take money away from them. Because if I'm spending more money on my goods and I have to give more in taxes, I have less uh, discretionary money to go out and spend on what I want. So that's what we're seeing. The big fear is inflation. And they have a right to be concerned about inflation because the inflation rate, uh, United States inflation rate in November was 6.8%. Hmm. Now that number doesn't really mean a lot to most people, but if you put it in context, that's the highest inflation rate we have seen since 1982. So that is the highest inflation rate we've had in, in the country for 40 years. And it's gone up very dramatically this year because just 11 months ago in January of this year, the inflation rate was 1.4%. So in less than a year, it's gone from 1.4 to 6.8. So, you know, people are seeing that, they're hearing about it. And, you know, when you're dealing with consumers and their, their outlook and confidence, a, a lot of it is perception too. You know, it's not just reality, it's, it's what they're thinking and feeling, and they keep hearing about inflation, which gets them concerned. So some people might want to hold back and uh, kind of cling, cling a little tighter to their wallets and not spend as much money. When these consumer outlooks are done, you know, here locally, do you ever look at the results and compare the results to other states to find out, you know, what's happening there, how Tennessee you know, maybe compares to North Carolina or somewhere like that? Yeah, we don't really compare them to all the other different states, but we do compare them to the United States. And historically, people in Tennessee are more optimistic. Uh, I think the consumers in Tennessee are just a bit more resilient than consumers arrest around the rest of the country. So they, they have more optimistic uh, expectations about the employment situation, about jobs, and about their own personal financial situation, which I think makes sense because, you know, especially here in Middle Tennessee and across the state too, we have very good economies, you know, very good, strong, diverse economies. We're seeing a lot of people move into Tennessee from other areas like California and even New Yorkers coming to Tennessee mm -hmm. to call Tennessee home. And they, and they focus on, I think, Middle Tennessee a lot of the times because our job market's great here. There's a lot mm -hmm. of opportunity here for sure. Uh, but it is always interesting when I'm sure you have the chance to talk to new people from other states who come here. And I'm sure when you do your survey, you often run across that people who are new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, we don't necessarily ask them how long they've been in Tennessee, but but you're right. Tennessee is a very attractive state for businesses as well as people to move here. It's a very business friendly state. That's why you see a lot of businesses moving, uh, bringing their headquarters here. Uh, it's, it's a low tax state. Uh, there are business courts so that businesses can resolve their conflicts uh, through uh, specialized business courts as opposed to going through the regular court system. Uh, the one thing that businesses need is employees, uh, talented employees. So we live in an area, especially in Middle Tennessee, where we have a lot of universities. So that is a resource that a lot of businesses need. And when you ask businesses why they move here, one of the reasons is because you have all these colleges and universities, which produce all this talent and all these employees that we can then hire. Yeah. And, you know, MTSU is a great school for sure when it comes to 
uh, finding you know the great students out there who employees want to hire or employers want to hire yeah and and you know when we ask we do we also we do our consumer confidence surveys of consumers four times a year we do a separate survey called the business barometer survey we do that in partnership with the tennessee chamber of commerce and we survey business leaders across the state four times a year and consistently for the last oh, couple of years the the number one concern or problem they have is finding people is yeah. staffing and hiring people the last time we did our survey we found that 67 percent of business leaders said employees are hard to find and only one percent which in our survey would have been about one or two people said that they're easy to find so you know we have a situation where the unemployment rate is low so that's good uh, there are jobs out there one of the problems employers are finding is they, they can't find the people to fill those jobs. But, you know, we, we've got a situation where, yeah, in, inflation's going up, but at least the unemployment rate's pretty low. Are, are, there, are there certain industries where you're seeing a bigger problem with, you know, filling those positions for employment? In our surveys, it's pretty much across the board. Yeah, so it's all, everywhere. Yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah. Because, you know, we see some restaurants that are having a real time maintaining their their business because they don't have enough waiters on hand yeah you, it's hard to go anywhere without seeing you know we are hiring signs yeah front. and then you have factories who are running into the same issue they can't pump out their product fast enough because they don't have enough workers to, to actually do it on the line and you don't have enough truck drivers to transport goods uh, across the country so then you end up with uh, that's one of the factors affecting the supply chain problems right now so yeah. It's like a waterfall effect. Everything <laughs> happens all at once, you know? <laughs> yes, it is. So these are all issues that businesses are facing Then the consumer is looking at, I guess. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the consumers are out there spending more money this year for Christmas. So that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. uh, we just need to make sure they keep doing that. Yeah. So, you know, so there is some good news. Uh, we did see an uptick in, in outlook for the future. Uh, w let's hope that that continues that trend continues definitely dr tim grafe with us this morning professor of marketing and director of the mtsu office of consumer research and uh, as we close this segment this morning um what would you what would you like to close on i mean what are some of the things that uh you hear from local business leaders when putting together different surveys well i <laughs> What we would like to see, a lot of businesses really rely on people coming into their store, you know, shopping in-store uh, as opposed to shopping online. Uh, so, you know, just encourage people to go out and try to do their shopping because there's a lot, of, there's a lot that happens when you're shopping in a store that, you, that doesn't happen when you're shopping online. Uh, you know, when you're shopping online, you can kind of browse for things, but it's hard to see. You can only see so many things on the screen at once. But when, you know, we've all experienced this. You go into a Walmart. And you go for one thing and you end up getting, you know, five bags full of things. Yeah. Uh, so th there's a lot of just impulse purchases, uh, shopping with groups of people. We, you know, you tend to spend a little bit more money because there's a social aspect there. So just encouraging people to go out and be consumers because the consumers really hold the economy in their hands if, because they make up the majority of the economy. If, if all the consumers just agreed, okay, everything's good, let's go spend money, we would see a huge positive impact on the economy. Definitely. Again, Dr. Tim Grafe with us this morning from MTSU. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Time right now, 831. More news, more information, and more topics coming up right here on WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. Need a break from the sound bites and the talking heads? 
Do you want information you can actually use? Information that'll change your life for the better? Then listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will show you how to retire in two to five years. Your age doesn't matter. Turn off the pundits and turn on the passive income. Tune in to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show, Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, right here on News Radio WGNS. In this season of giving, don't forget to give to your pet. Here at Animal City, we would love to help you with your pet needs. Your small animals might prefer a larger living space, your reptiles might like some new decor, and your other pets might like some new toys to keep them entertained. Right now, all of our Animal City departments are overflowing with new and exciting toys. Dog toys, bird toys, cat toys, we have them all. This is Amanda from Animal City. Come do business with Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Becky Bookner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given all of us, and that's our freedom and the right to live in this country. And we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made. Once a fear weather strikes, we break in. Tornado warning for central Rutherford County. Our own meteorologist giving you a complete Rutherford County forecast. So you should be in shelter already. In there is no safer place in the storm. News Radio WGNS. With your WGNS salute to veterans, I'm Scott Walker. In 2019, Andrew Lee, a retired soldier who proposes quilting as a way to reduce PTSD, was at the Stitcher's Playhouse in Smyrna. There, he displayed his quilt that depicts the raising of the flag over Iwo Jima. The quilt that he made had 12,100 squares of material and took about one year to sew together. Andrew Lee served in the U.S. Army for 10 years where he was stationed at Fort Hood, Texas. He completed two deployments to Iraq. There, he suffered a traumatic brain injury. Andrew explained to WGNS why it's so difficult for veterans to return to civilian life. And he told WGNS, when you're on duty, you must shut off all emotions, which is your protection mechanism. For him, he said, quilting has helped me dramatically. A lot of veterans don't have an outlet in any way, shape, or form, or a hobby or a pastime that's productive that allows them to separate where they've been to where they want to be or where they could be. So sewing forces your mind to be active and it's in a group of other veterans that you can talk amongst and understand that you're all on the same level. And we don't like it to share it with other civilians because they don't understand, but other veterans do understand. So that's why the group concept works well. With your salute to veterans, highlighting different accomplishments, and allowing veterans to tell their story, I'm Scott Walker. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.35, and also from MTSU this morning, Heather Green, the MTeach program coordinator. So what in the world is MTeach? MTeach. MTeach is our math, science, and agriculture secondary education program. So we're training math, science, and agriculture teachers to be in the classroom. And, and these are future teachers. These are not folks who are already teaching, right? Correct. 
We're okay. training them for middle school and high school. So what are, I guess, some of the lessons to be learned in this program? Um, we're focusing on getting students, our students to teach using an inquiry method. So they're actually getting their students into the lesson. So they're not just lecturing and having students memorize stuff, but they're actually having them participate in learning so that they're building those critical thinking skills that they need for math and science. So like more hands-on type stuff, I guess. Yes. So what, I guess, suggestions do you have for new teachers? I mean, are you saying, you know, hey, we need to go outside more, go out of the classroom and, you know, into the field or, or wherever other suggestions may be, I guess. I don't know. It, it's a combination of things. So outside is great. Bringing in manipulatives is great. Um, we encourage, especially our science students, to bring in actual examples. Hmm. Um, so instead of, you know, making up a genetics problem for SpongeBob, you know, maybe using actual human genetics and diseases to talk about in the classroom so that they're using phenomena that are real life so that students see that what they're learning actually has a purpose. So you don't get that when am I ever going to use this outside the classroom, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, that's one of those things that kids have said, I guess, for years, right? Mm -hmm. So you're putting it into, I guess, better perspective for the students by, by, of course, teaching the future teachers how to do it properly. Yes. So what are some of the lessons that you have, I don't know, used as an example so far uh, within the MTeach program? Uh, we have a lot of sample lessons. Uh, my favorite one that I do, I actually do with our biology teacher, our, I mean our biology students at MTSU to get them to want to teach. <laughs> and I bring termites into the classroom and these are just, you know, your everyday termites, but they don't have a queen or anything, so they won't eat the building down. <sighs> um, and I draw a line with a big pen and we set the termites down and they'll follow the line. Hmm. So that gets the students curious about what is going on. Why, why would termites follow an ink pen line? And then we have them develop an experiment. I give them lots of different materials to try to figure out what's going on, which leads into a discussion of pheromones and how um, insects communicate with each other. That's pretty cool. So you're giving these future teachers real life ideas on things they can use in the classroom once they become a teacher. Yes. And is... MTSU or the MTeach program, are the teachers or professors that are part of this program, are they actually writing such real life ideas? I mean, are they putting these ideas forth themselves or are they getting the, these out of a textbook? It's a combination of things. Um, our program is actually a replicate of the UTeach program from UT Austin. Um, so we have some materials from them. We have some that we have developed. Um, in MTeach, we have three master teachers. So we're all teachers who have taught in the field, um, who are now teaching at the university level. But we also work with our professors in the College of Basic and Applied Sciences, as well as with professors in College of Education. So they're getting the perspective of teachers who've been in the field, as well as from those professors. And we look for examples all over the place. Um, our students will bring in examples. I encourage them to find different things. Um, my methods class this spring, we're going to be listening to some podcasts 
um, oh. to open up to a different <laughs> different yeah. realm of things that they can use in the classroom. So did you teach, you know, like uh, elementary, high school, prior to actually going to MTSU to teach? Yes, I taught high school biology. I bet that was interesting. <laughs> I love it. I actually am still teaching at the high school. Oh, you are? I teach okay. a dual enrollment class. Um, and I love it because it gives me perspective on the teenagers that we're actually training our students to teach and you know the kids today have changed a lot from even 10 to 20 years ago and i think part of the reason is because of technology because of social media i mean there's a lot that goes into these changes yes and and being aware of that helps us be able to train our teachers to be able to relate to the students because we we work on relationships a lot in mteach our program is set up so that our office is like a teacher workroom and our students come in and work in there all the time. Um, we've got all the, the supplies to develop lessons and um, get everything ready. Our master teacher's offices are on the periphery of the office. So all they have to do is yell out and say, hey, can I have some help with this? And we're right there. <laughs> Again, Heather Green with us with the MTeach program at MTSU. What age group are you seeing participate in this program who are becoming future teachers? We actually are seeing a lot of different age groups. So obviously our, our college level freshmen are who we're, we're trying to get in right away. But we've also had people come in and this is their second chance. They, they want to do a different job than what they're doing. And they're actually my age in their 40s or 50s even saying, I want to teach. I want to give back to um, everybody in my community. Um, so we do see we do have that college level age, which is the, the majority of them. But we do see older students as well. And from things I've read, being a teacher, teaching jobs are similar to uh, nursing jobs in that they are in very high demand right now. They are. And they're they're becoming even more high demand. And part of that is a lot of teachers feel like they don't have support. Um, and one of the things we do at MTeach as is we give them that support. So we give them the support, not just through their bachelor's degree, but once they graduate and they're in the field, we're still there. I would guess that over the last two years, because of COVID-19 and everything, there was an influx in teachers who decided to retire earlier than what they were initially going to retire because some of them who were older, they were not used to the idea of teaching online, teaching through Zoom, and they were required to do that all of a sudden because of COVID-19. Yeah, there were a lot of changes that were required instantly. And yeah. some teachers didn't feel comfortable or just didn't want to learn that technology. Um, so we include a lot of technology in our lessons and make sure that our students have those examples. And our mentor teachers in the field are helping with that too, helping them to see what different, what changes they've made since COVID and um, how to work it and make it, make it work for our students. So this MTeach program, is this new uh, as far as did it happen after COVID or before COVID? When was this program put together? It actually started about 13 years ago at MTSU so it's been around a while um, and the, the reason why they started at MTSU was because of the need of math and science teachers um, and that need has just been larger because of COVID. 
yeah the the whole math and science thing that that has really gotten a lot of publicity over the last couple of years and the state of tennessee has really been behind that push a lot and of course nationwide has been a big push as well through uh, you know the stem whatever the, what does the stem stand for now science, science technology engineering and mathematics so there's been a big push nationwide in trying to get i guess students to go that direction because those are areas where there's a lot of job availability right now mm-hmm. and this is going right along that same path absolutely and that job availability is jobs that require students to think so we can't just teach them to memorize or in math we can't just teach them procedures we have to teach them how to think through problems Um, and that's going to help them be able to get those jobs in the field is it tough getting young college students to really think through things compared to some of the older students that you may have in classes Sometimes um, the college students, not so much. The high school students don't want to think. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, give me something to memorize. I'm going to memorize it and, and we're done. And um, so we, we push them. We give them questions that are just a little past what they, they think they can do and push them to think further so that they can learn more and learn how to learn on their own. And and this kind of ties directly into the idea of bringing more hands-on type things into the classroom because people do learn better, I think, when they're actually involved in whatever the topic may be and they're actually understanding it better by seeing it in front of them. Yes, absolutely. And even things like in my biology class, even some of the microbiology stuff, we'll bring in models so they can actually see it because you know a lot of people don't understand how different parts of our bodies interact with each other but if they can see models of how the cell communicates it makes it easier for them to understand it yeah it makes a lot more sense i guess mm-hmm. so what made you want to get involved in the mteach program versus just staying a high school teacher well i was perfectly happy teaching high school and i was i was having a great time um the opportunity just happened by when my colleagues said hey there's this opportunity and i think you'd be good for it um and having been an mtsu graduate myself and having taught for several years i thought well maybe i can maybe i can give back to other teachers and give them the support that i didn't feel like i had when i first started teaching Um, I wasn't quite ready (laughs) Um, and having that support and how how do you ask questions how do you lead discussions so not just here's learning theory and here's your science but how do we put those two pieces together in the classroom to make them a better classroom and I thought that was really exciting along with they said I would still be able to teach that dual enrollment so I love that I still see my, my high school students every day. And with the dual enrollment class that you're teaching, do you actually go to the local high school and teach from that classroom or do you do it from MTSU? I go to the high school. Okay. And I teach on their schedule. So even though MTSU's final exams were two weeks ago, we did ours with at Central last week. Okay. And if somebody wants to learn more about the MTeach program at MTSU, what's the best way to gain that information? The best way is just to email me. I'm Heather Green, heather.green at mtsu.edu. Um, we are also on the MTSU website. If you just look up Google MTeach at MTSU, you'll find us. Sounds good. Again, Heather Green with us this morning with the MTeach program at MTSU. Heather, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Time right now, 847. Stay with us. More news and information coming up.
Skies become mostly sunny this afternoon with a high in the low 50s. Southwest winds at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy, low 32. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 30. Good morning. Traffic still looks good right now. That traffic flow on 24 coming through Coffee County up by Epps Mill Road. Just busy out here up and down 840 over towards Franklin, Williamson County with tons of radar. Gatlinburg Wine Cellar, home of the world famous cotton candy wine. Check them out at GatlinburgWineCellar.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. If you're not waking up to the Wake Up Crew, here's what you've been missing. You can only get that on the Wake Up Crew, right? Yes. <laughs> no one else is talking about it at all. <laughs> Don't miss the Wake Up Crew with John, Brian, and Dalton. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Time right now, 8.48. You're tuned to WGNS again on this Monday morning, today the 20th of December. And our guest now in studio from MTSU, Matthew Hibden, Strategic Communications Manager for the College of Liberal Arts and MTSU Alumni Association Board President. That's a mouthful. It's a lot of stuff there. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what you do at MTSU. So my full-time job is working in the College of Liberal Arts, as you said, and working with our faculty and our students to kind of spread the good news about what a liberal arts education can do for you. And then also this year, I'm fortunate enough to serve as the president of the National Alumni Association for MTSU. I'm a two-time graduate of the institution with my bachelor's in history in 2012 and my master's in uh, education in 2014. So what is one of the more recent projects that you've been working on there on the campus? The last thing that we did with the Alumni Association was actually during cap and gown pickup, we give each student their first official MTSU alumni t-shirt when they come pick up their cap and gown. And also they get a free uh, MT alumni cookie. And so that's the last thing that we did, uh, which also kind of ties into the event that we did for current students at the beginning of the semester in September. And we did a future alumni event and gave current students a future alumni t-shirt. The uh, Alumni Center has to be growing like crazy because you're looking at over 20,000 students there every semester. Yeah, we have more than 140,000 MTSU alumni across the world. And the board of directors that we have uh, is representative of so many of our students. And you know, one thing that's changed coming out of the pandemic is that we realize that people don't have to live in Middle Tennessee or Tennessee even to show their love for MTSU. So the technology that you know the university invested in with zoom has allowed us to have members in sunset louisiana and alexandria virginia who even if they can't come to campus for a meeting can still be involved and help the alumni association grow and meet the needs of our alumni so do you think the pandemic has pushed ahead new ideas that really allow for universities like mtsu to grow and rethink things in a bigger way definitely so, you know, when we would have alumni association events in the past, we would do them, you know, in conjunction with the recruiting events we were doing with the True Blue Tour, you know, 
with football games, basketball games, but there wasn't a lot of virtual opportunities for people. We would do some webinars sometimes, but now we've had opportunities to do trivia nights. Uh, and that's been virtual. And we've had people from across the country, from California uh, to the eastern coast as well. And so that's been a great way for us to engage with our alumni and also to get them to win some prizes too. Now, MTSU Arts, they have put together Joys of the Season. What is Joys of the Season? So Joys of the Season started as an on-campus concert that we could showcase our MTSU Arts programs, which is uh, are housed in our departments of theater and dance, art and design, and the School of Music. And so this showcase concert uh, we would do every year in Tucker Theater as a way to bring in the community and to showcase the good work of our students. And obviously in 2020, we didn't get to have it. So this year we started planning ahead and thinking of a new way we could still you know, deliver the content, but also leverage the resources of the university like True Blue TV and reach a wider audience. So is it going to be at Tucker Theater or is it only going to be broadcast form this year and not in person? So we had the premiere on December 6th of our broadcast-only version of it. So we worked with uh, Vice President Andrew Altman in the Division of Marketing and Communications. And so this is a special Joys of the Season edition of his monthly MTSU news show, uh, Out of the Blue. And so it's been on air on True Blue TV. It's on demand on MTSU's YouTube channel. And it's on TV stations in at least 15 states. Are the different colleges within the university having to kind of refigure, rethink things uh, as far as i guess you know everything from marketing to the way they teach and the way they communicate with students so i think that the pandemic offered an opportunity for a lot of students and faculty to try different types of learning so a lot of people hadn't taken an online course you know when i was a student at mtsu there weren't too many online options but you know we've developed those over the years and have given people a greater access to our programs even if they aren't here um, but I think a lot of our faculty and students are excited to be back in the classroom and it's so vitally important for our performing and fine arts students to be able to you know gather together and perform their concerts and you know be there in person so we're excited that all the productions that we've done this uh, year have been able to be in person like Sweeney Todd in November and then uh, there's a play called Anonymous that's coming up next semester and Fun Home and then obviously all the ensembles that the School of Music does and all of our art shows are always open to the public. Again Matthew Hibden with us with MTSU this morning on this uh, third half of the program and what are students saying about some of the changes or, or you know some of the things that are happening on the campus what are students saying uh, because we're still kind of in the pandemic but things seem to be leveling off quite a bit yeah all the students i got a chance to talk to this semester have been so excited to be in person and you know get that experience obviously we have more flexibility in some of our scheduling like i said we've expanded some of those you know remote and online options to give people more flexibility because we have you know students who are adult learners who have full-time jobs you know obviously our graduate student population has increased a lot but overall it's been wonderful to see people back on campus and they're just excited to be there and what types of new things can we expect to see within the college of liberal arts over the next few semesters and maybe even years to come we have an excellent leadership team uh, dr leah lyons is interim dean of the college and her and our two associate deans jeff gibson and dr meredith die they have some great ideas and they're working with our faculty and chairs to 
plan different events uh, to bring people back. You know, we have annually offer the lifelong learning program each May, and so we're looking at ways that we can do that. Uh, whether it's virtual or in person, we're we're looking at ways that we can still bring more people into our events again because we're not limited by geography or technology anymore. So that's in the, I think, definitely the positive column of what we've had to do the past couple of years. Do you think there's going to be a, a new theater that's going to be uh, built on the campus anytime soon? Or what, what does the future look like as far as the performing arts? I'm not sure about a new performance space. Need to talk to the uh, <laughs> planning folks about that. But um, you know, during my time at MTSU, there have been major investments by the institution in our, you know, uh, performance spaces. So Tucker Theater obviously got a renovation a few years ago. Uh, there was a kind of a facelift to Hinton Hall and the School of Music, and so it's beautiful. Um, yeah, the yellow curtains were great, but now we have some beautiful true blue curtains in there, and so it's really spruced up the place and gave it a fresh look for the students and faculty who are performing in there. And for people who have not been on the MTSU campus in recent years, it has drastically changed over the years. Over the last 10 to 15 years, you wouldn't recognize it if that's how long it's been since you've been on the campus last. Yeah, it, you know, when I talk to current students and tell them that, hey, this building used to be a field, you know, it's like I'm talking about 60 <laughs> years ago, you know, a decade ago, um, you know, a lot of the buildings weren't there. And so it's been remarkable to see uh, the built environment of campus shift and there have been more kind of informal outdoor learning spaces. And so one thing that the university did last year was put more outdoor seating around. So picnic tables and things like that. So students who are needing to Zoom for class or you know, meet outside, there's more structures there, both inside classrooms and outside to have that kind of informal learning that is so important, you know, catching a teacher after class and asking another question, discussing things with your friends. That's where the, you know, a lot of the learning occurs. It's not just in the classroom. Now, as the Alumni Association Board President, what types of things are you doing to, I guess, reach out to the community and really across the country and beyond to, to bring back some of those former graduates and say, you know, we want you to be involved with MTSU still. Like I said, we've expanded our virtual offerings uh, for events and we have webinars. But, you know, one thing that we offer for our current students is the Alumni Legacy Scholarship. So if they have family members who uh, were alumni, they can apply for this scholarship. And there's information about that at mtalumni.com. But we also have our annual Alumni Awards. And so fortunate during the homecoming celebrations to get to talk to the Golden Raiders, our folks who had been graduated for 50 years, but also we had an awards ceremony for uh, our alumni award winners, and the nominations for next year's awards are open right now, actually, and the deadline for that closes on April 1st. So to our listeners, if you know any distinguished MTSU alumni uh, who you'd like to nominate for an award, just go to mtalumni.com and find out more about it. That's pretty cool. So this is something that's done, I guess, every year? Every year, yep. So we have our annual alumni awards, and uh, we also support things like the, uh, if you go to the homecoming parade, the mixer on middle. So there's a photo booth, that way you can get photos together, and we're always looking at ways to uh, engage with our alumni population, and we have, like I said, a dedicated board of directors who are bringing a lot of fresh ideas, and we didn't get to bring on new people during the pandemic, but we brought on 11 new members this year. And it's, it's a really great group, and I look forward to our next meeting in January with them. So I guess the best thing to do is just go to the MTSU website where you can learn 
pretty much about anything on the campus. Of course. Again, Matthew Hibden with us this morning. Uh, as we close out this morning's program, anything else you can think of that we left off? Congratulations to the Blue Raiders on their Bahamas Bowl win on Friday, of course. And uh, congrats to all of our faculty and students for making it through this semester. And I hope they have a great break. Uh, pretty cool stuff right there. I, I wish I was in the Bahamas for that game. You know, that, that, that would have been nice. Because it was pouring down rain here. Uh, on the day of the game, I guess what Friday? Yeah, 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 Friday. Pouring down rain here, but probably 100 degrees there. So perfect. Matthew Hibden with us this morning from MTSU, and that's going to do it for today's program. Thanks for joining us. Time right now, 8:59. We're 10 seconds away from 9 o'clock. Local news followed by CBS News next. The Good Neighbor Network, WGNS, Murfreesboro, Smyrna, flagship station for MTSU Sports. Courthouse clock time, 9 o'clock.